What's up, everybody? This is the real deal without Larry Lawton today. You've got me, Benz, and I'm here with Frank Filiberto. What's up, Frank? Hi, Ben Zach. How you doing today? Doing really good, Ben Zach. We're going to start with fucking shit right out of the gate. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> People don't know what the whole Ben Zach thing's about. I'd rather they don't. Yeah, we'll just fucking a, leave it there. Yeah. But but you of all people are just fucking you, you like to poke. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna have a good show for you today, everybody. Um, since Larry's not here, we're actually gonna get an actual conversation going. Uh, well, his, his seat, I I think admit it's not it's not gonna be easy to fill. I, I am. Oh, that's true. I agree with that. I am sitting in his seat. Oh and, fuck! And uh, who who's calling my phone here? Well, I am a doctor, you know. I am on call. Now they can see who's calling your phone. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, since this is the real fucking deal, even though we just started, I'm not going to restart it because your phone rang. You realize? What do you, oh, you want to do? You want to promote yeah. the book? I mean, I, I Gangster Redemption. Did you actually read it? I read it a couple times. A couple times. I read a couple. Well, it's, an easy, it's an easy read. You it read, is an easy. You can read it one night. I agree. It's, it's a fairly easy read. If you haven't bought the book, buy it. If you haven't, if you bought it, and you didn't read it. Read it. It's 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 a pretty interesting book. It opens your eyes to a lot of things. And, it's Larry's story. And as you know, September first, they came out. We're, we're still waiting for them. I'm still waiting for the Crooked Diamond cigars, which were Listen, promised September first. Let me tell you how that how that goes. So there's a lot of delays in every industry right now. You know about that. Yes. Cigar industry is not immune to those delays. We were told they were going to be here in September, but we wanted everything to be perfect. We didn't want to cut any corners. We didn't want to bring them in bundles. We didn't want the cigars to not be perfect. So because we're working with Oliva Cigars, and they're, and they're one of the best brands in the world, we have the luxury of waiting and making sure things are done right rather than just, you know, scooting through the process. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't have them yet. We should and we hope to have them all the cigars that have have been pre-ordered on the website Shipped by the end of this month. I got a quick story about shortage of supplies and so forth. I, hey, was, doing, I was doing a facelift yesterday, uh-huh. right? <laughs> and the patient was jumping all over the table after I injected her with the uh, xylocaine, Novocaine, xylocaine, any anesthetic. So I'm saying, saying to my nurse, what the hell is going on here? She says, well, we can't get the stuff you normally use, so I got less of strength. I said, well, you, you don't tell me that before. You got to know. <laughs> I got to know. You so the, there's such a shortage of supply yeah. of of the xylocaine that we use for facelifts, right? That they send us something that was half the strength, right? Half the size of the bottle, but four times the price. No, no shit. Yeah, is it just a different brand or no? Same company. They just can't. They're not making the product, the other product, because they just ran out of it. It's off the shelves. That's amazing. Yeah. So you had to inject the lady with more shit so she stopped feeling it. I had to stop the procedure in the middle of the procedure because she was feeling too much and re-inject her, wait another 20 minutes. You know, I feel sorry for the poor lady, but, you know, it it happens. Sure. Did you ever figure out your hole getting stabbed in the hand with a needle? I got stabbed yesterday. (laughs) With a bloody needle. With a bloody needle. Stabbed in my hand. It's all black and blue over here. So so what exactly happened? You want to share? Well, I was, uh, I, I gave her a shot of, I gave her more in the middle of the procedure and I handed it over to my nurse, all right? And my nurse went to put it down on the table. As she put it on the table, she jabbed me right in the hand with Fuck. it. <laughs> so there's precautions when that, when that happens, right? Yeah. That's a big deal when that happens in it's, the operating it, room. You don't want to make light of it because uh, that's, that's, how, that's how doctors get AIDS, uh, hep C, uh, various diseases you can get from it. So naturally, you got to go in detail with the patient's medical history. You, you go in detail before anyway. But you're not, you're not really allowed to ask them, you know, be, be, you, you can't you can't ask people about 
about certain diseases, especially AIDS and, and so forth. So when somebody walks into your office, it is illegal for you to, to ask yeah. them whether or not they have AIDS. Yeah. You, you can't. What happens after you get pricked like that? If they get pricked like that, I, I, I basically tell them what happened. And I, I, you, you present it in a way in which, is there anything I have to worry about right, that, right, that right. may contaminate me? You know, and there's still I, no law that says that she has to say anything. No to law you. that has to say anything. She could say nope, right. walk away, yeah. and knowing that there's something. And I, I went through treatment. I, it happened to me. It happened to me. Um, oh, probably about, probably about ten years ago. I um, had a patient come into the office, and I suspected that the patient had a tumor behind his nose. Um, it's called a nasopharyngeal carcinoma. Very common. Ve- yeah, we all know what that means. <laughs> Very, very common, very common in, uh, in Asian people. Okay. More common in Asian people than in Caucasians and blacks. Uh, uh, common in people with Epstein-Barr virus, which is mononucleosis, right? You get that type of cancer. And the third thing is um, in AIDS patients, right? So, you know, I stick my finger up the back. You're not really thinking about it. Not thinking. I stick my finger up the back of the throat because I want to feel it. Uh, cancers feel a certain way. They're friable. They're soft. They bleed when you feel them. Uh, if it's just a benign tumor, it's going to feel hard. So you can tell the difference if you felt enough of them. Right. You know? okay. And I've been doing this for 40 years, so it's fairly easy for me to diagnose just with my finger. And as I have my finger in his mouth, he bites down on my finger and rips my glass off and scrapes my whole finger. All right? Ooh. And again, we go through the whole process, and sure enough, he was HIV positive. Right? So it put me in AZT for a year. Which is the precautionary drug? Uh, never, never received, never, never turned positive, but I had to take the drug. So, what is a precautionary drug? You take it just to make sure that it, the AIDS virus can't grow within you. Yes. Okay. So, there's a possibility that you gotten it but killed it early. It's a possibility, or that you didn't get it at all. You didn't get it. At all. So that's why it's called a precaution. And I get tested all the time anyway. You kind of have to, right? Yeah, I'm a surgeon, so right. you know, you always have nicks and so forth, or. Blood splashes into your eyes and so forth. So. Blood splashes into your eyes? Yeah, well, you know, in the old days, I, I didn't need glasses, so I didn't use any glasses uh, in the older days. And you can take, it can take 10 to 15 years sometimes to convert from a virus. Yeah. So you, That's you know, the biggest problem right there, yeah, I think. It's the conversion process. 15 years, you wouldn't know. So right now, if you, God forbid, you got something from that fucking needle, mm-hmm. there could be a possibility where you wouldn't know for 15 years. Yeah, possibility. Possibility. Uh, there are also today, you know, as you know, most people know, uh, it, it's it's a it's a not a preventable. It is a preventable disease. They have right now prevention drugs now um, that people are using uh, to prevent getting the virus. But they also have wonderful treatments today. Perfect, you don't die from it. A perfect a perfect example is Magic Johnson. I knew you would All say right? that. That's a perfect example. I mean, don't forget when Magic Johnson got it, it was a death sentence. But it shows you what money could do too. Right. You know what money. Could well, back then he had access to stuff that not just anybody had access correct, to. Correct. Right. So, and you know, I don't understand. He amassed a wealth, but not not that big of a wealth. Well, he he went into the movie business. You know, he started movie theaters. Uh, he tried he tried his hands at talk show. You remember that failed. I don't remember it, but I knew about yeah, it. Yeah, he tried a talk show. Um, yeah. Um, his verbal skills weren't anything like Randy Fine's. Randy yeah. Fine can really talk, man. That I, guy was. I, I want to tell you. I, I I wanted to bring that up. Okay, uh, I listened to that. I, I listened to that show, and regardless, put all politics aside. Whether not you're Republican, Democrat, you can't, Frank. You can't put politics aside. I'll let you complete, but yeah. no, you can't put politics aside when but, it's a politician. Talking. But when it really when it really comes down to, um, he has great verbal skills, right? And he knows how to answer questions. He's intelligent, yeah. no doubt. Uh, 
and uh, he can sell his points. All right. Again, he, you're not going to sell a you're not going to sell your your position on uh, on Roe versus Wade uh, if somebody if somebody does, doesn't agree or agrees with it. You're not people have who dig dig their heels in on specific issues. It doesn't make a difference what you're going to say to them. Right. But what it really what it really does for people if you have a politician. Randy denies that he's a politician because he's individually, you know, he's wealthy. He he's a politician. He doesn't depend on it. But I, I, I look at, I look at people like him, and uh, Randy is, he's not a guy that you just um, are soft on as far as well. He's a writer. He's a guy either you hate or you like. You know why? Because he's a trailblazer, right? He's a guy that knocks down walls. He doesn't open a door, right? right? And uh, I kind of admire people like that. They put their career at, they put their career at risk by being like that. They they have more haters, you know, than anybody else. You know, but somebody said something to me. If he wasn't Jewish, do you think he'd care about the anti-Semitic issue? Well, you know, anybody cares about more than I do. That's not non-Jew, non-Jewish. About being anti? Uh, no. Okay. Oh, so I I'm not Jewish. In fact, you know you know what I wear. Right. Right. No, listen. You're yeah. not Jewish, but you might as well be. Yeah. You, you grew up in New York. You grew up in a very Jewish community. You socialized with a lot of Jews. Most people right now seeing this, they just see your mannerisms. They assume you're fucking Jewish. They don't know you're 100% fucking Italian. Yeah. You cut this guy's arm, there's sausage inside. <laughs> <laughs> you're about as Italian as they get. I can't get more Italian than being in the garbage business. <laughs> oh, that's true. Did you ever discuss the garbage business on this show? No, never did. No? Never did. Do you want to get into it? Um, it's, it's what, do you, what can you tell the listeners? I can tell this is some of the um, some of the principles of management in the in the garbage business. Some of the principles <laughs> of man, I like that. You know, you make it seem very. Yeah. Uh, you understand when I was when I was in the garbage business, and the, the clear fact is, I was born into the garbage business. My my grandfather started it. Uh, my father wound up owning it. It was a fairly large business at one time, with the largest business in New York City. It was it was fairly big, and it, it gave us a good living. Right. Um, and I always tell people that um, I never went to camp as a kid, right? My camp in high school was getting on a garbage truck, right? My father would not pay for camp. What time did you have to get on? One thirty in the morning, 2 o'clock. I had to be on the truck at 2 o'clock. You know, you should tell him the story about the first time he told you to come to work. Uh, yeah, that's, no, that's, 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 when I get, that's when I graduated college. No, I know. You graduated college. You ready to come take over yeah. the business, baby? Uh, yeah, I graduated college. Uh, I I basically uh, put my shirt and jacket on and tie just as I went to college. Right. It was a requirement we wore a tie in college. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize that today. Nobody does. But, no. but we had to wear a jacket and tie in college. And I went to school in New York City. All right. Um, so I get up 7 o'clock in the morning, get dressed, go to the office. I'm up in the office. All right. My father used to come to work at 10 o'clock. Right. So he uh, comes walking through the door. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. You told me to get to work. I graduated college last weekend. You told me I had to get to work. I'm working. He says, uh, we don't work with a jacket and tie here, and you're not allowed up in the office. <laughs> you thought he was going <laughs> to hire you to be management. He says, get your ass downstairs and start working. I said, I have a jacket and tie on. He says, well, go home and get changed. All right? So, all right, when get changed. Next morning, you go, I go to work. Seven o'clock in the morning, sweatshirt, jeans, working in the back, work, working in the back of a, not working in the back, I was driving a truck, 
I was driving the truck, right? At three o'clock, first shift is over, and I go home, right? He comes in, he comes home that night, he says, where were you today? I says, I worked. He says, what do you mean I worked? He says, I was there from seven to three. He drove says, the truck. Uh, I didn't tell him I drove the truck. Okay. Right? So uh, he says, you're the boss's son. There are no shifts. Work starts at 1.30 in the morning. Right? And you don't leave until the last man leaves. Four, five, six o'clock. Sheesh. Right? Every day. Every day. Is right? that why you decided to become a doctor? <laughs> so it was like, okay, I go back to work. Right? 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. My, my father sometimes used to make spot calls on us, you know? So it was like four or five days later, he comes driving up. I remember we were on... Um, 9th Avenue and 38th Street in the Garment Center, New York City. And um, I'm at the wheel of driver. She says, what are you doing? I said, I'm at work. You tell me to come to work at 1.30 in the morning. He said, no. What are you doing behind the wheel of a truck? You weren't even promoted yet. Oh, shit. Get your ass on the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted you to pick up garbage. You know, I never lasted long enough to become a driver. <laughs> really? Uh, so until, how long did you do that for? Well, what, what happened was um, I wound up buying a, a little piece of the business. You could buy routes where I, I took myself out of having a, having a, somewhat of a boss. Right, you know? right. Um, he still was my boss because he rented the truck to me and uh, I had to give him all my garbage. In New York City, it's you don't give him garbage. You give him waste paper, which they recycle and sell. Right, right, right. So what you're picking up it's like picking up quarters and dimes from a company because you're selling that waste paper, all right? So my rental on the truck was was for me to take all the garbage back to his plant, right? And that was the rental on the truck. And then you can use the truck technically for free as long as you drop well, all I the garbage. Did, I only needed the truck from one thirty in the morning till three thirty. That was my day. That was your day after I started my business, right? Yeah. And then you had your own route. What'd yeah. you do with that route when you decided to become a doctor? I sold it for an enormous amount of money. You got a lot of money. And <laughs> did you get I had, the money? I, I got, you know, the a waste a, a garbage route, a waste paper route is, is a lot like owning real estate, all right? Um, for instance, if I pick up your commercial building, and mind you, in New York City, all right, the residential is picked up by the city. You pay taxes for that. Right. But commercial is picked up by private carters, all right? And the way it works is the private carters have certain... Years ago, they broke it up into territories. We can get into that story. It's another story. Right. Right. But they broke up into territories. Um, if you, since I, say I pick up a new building that was picked up, and that building pays me um, $10,000 a month, which is not unusual for a building. You have, you know, 20 offices in a building. Each, each guy's paying you. But it's collected by the superintendent, and you get one check. So you pick it up. Now, if somebody wanted to, if, if you come to me and say, Frank, I just bought a garbage truck. I'm in, I'm, I'm in a business. My business is very close to the business, your, that, that route. Uh, are you willing to sell that route? All right? So I say, yeah. The going rate is 40 to 1. 40 to 1 of what you're making? Yeah. So you have to pay $400,000 for the right to pick up a, a, a business. That does 10000 a month. 10000 a month. Holy shit. Yeah. It's 40 to 1. Yeah. It's 40 times 10000 40 to 1. Yeah, right? that's yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. So that, but again... You're paying four hundred thousand dollars, and you're doing ten thousand dollars a month, right? That's a hundred indefinitely. That's indefinitely. and not not indefinitely. 
Listen, what happens? This is why it's better in real estate. Okay. You're allowed to increase them three and a half to five percent per year. Per how much garbage they're throwing out. Oh no shit. So we, my father's business that was big, we used, we just have a used to have a guy that worked for us that just used to go around counting. It wasn't garbage bags. We used to give them containers, counting how many containers they used. If somebody's business is doing well, they may go from three to five containers. Sure. So that's the person you increase because you know he's doing well. Right. Somebody that goes from three to two containers, you leave them alone. You don't raise them. Right. All right. So you may have a you may have a route you may have a route that's paying you ten thousand dollars a month, which is worth forty to one. But after three or four years, it's maybe doing thirty thousand dollars a month, still at forty to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you see, it's 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 better than a real estate business. All right. So if it was ten thousand dollars a month back then, how much is it today? If you had to estimate, well, you still have some connections yeah. in the game, don't that, you? That building that building right now is probably doing sixty thousand a month. 60, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, we were doing the Empire State Building back then. I'm talking, I'm talking fifties and sixties. You know, I'm talking a long time ago. Right. We were getting about uh, ninety thousand a month for the Empire, which was big money back then. Don't forget, ninety thousand dollars a month is big money today. Well, again, a garbage truck today runs you a quarter million dollars. Okay, then yeah. you got the truck, you yeah. got the gas. Yeah. What's what's the gas going to cost you? Another in today's money. No, I mean another thousand uh, dollars a day. I'm exaggerating there, on there, purpose. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that uh, if you're willing to work hard, uh, there's, in my opinion, I'm making money selling garbage. That's an incredible business. That is an incredible business. It's an incredible business. Yeah, but you can, you said this to me once, and I never, re- I, I knew it, but I never really thought about it. The fact is, is you can actually, you can put a business to, on its knees by not picking up its trash. Yeah, you can shut down, you can shut down New York City. Have you ever done that? I got a little story I can tell you. Okay. Principles of management. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I like that. I knew I we like would get to the principles of management. You'll <laughs> like this story. Okay. So while I'm, while I'm, a, while I'm a garbage man, right, I'm going for my master's in business administration at St. John's University of New York. All right. And, you know, I walk into class, all right, and I just got off a garbage truck, all right? And I got all these suits there from Xerox, IBM, and, you know, Apple and those guys weren't around. Yeah. So it was Xerox, IBM, General Motors, and they're all in their gray suits, their black ties, getting their master's degree so they get promoted, and they're making, back then a master's guy did about $15,000 a year, you know, master's for one of those companies, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a big salary. And you could live in Manhattan with that salary. Yeah, live in Manhattan. Which is we crazy. We showed that story the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We showed that story the other day. So um, I just got my sweatshirt and jeans and, you know, smelled like a billy goat, and, you know, guys wouldn't even sit near me. So what we had to do is, the chairman of the department was given this course and was called the Executive Principles of Management, right? And um, he said, the whole course is going to deal with you guys taking the principles of management, which is organization, control, staffing. There's five of them, right? I don't need to educate anybody. There's five, that's five of them. Okay. Right? So, um, and apply them to your chosen field and how they work in your chosen field. So, you know, you get the guy from IBM coming up and he says, this, this bullshit, that bullshit. You know, get this guy coming up, he bullshits. The same bullshit from these corporate guys. They don't know what's going on anyway, you know. They're, they're shuffling they're, papers. They, they, they've never made it beyond the fifth floor in a 50-story building, you know. Yeah. So I get up, and I put them on the board, organization, control, staffing, blah, 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 blah. Right? I put them next to them, equals bullshit. The professor looks at me like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? All right? I said, well, let's start with... Um, Ah, let's just take control. 
let's just take control, right? I says, I was up at, um, back, uh, back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, if everybody remembers Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta, with the big collars, with the satin. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Those shirts back then sold for 30 to $40 where you were buying a shirt for $2. Right. All right. You know, it's equivalent to maybe buying a shirt today for five hundred dollars, four or five hundred dollars. They were very expensive shirts. Sure. Right. We had the keys to all the factories because we had to pick them up at two o'clock in the morning. Right. So and there's nobody there. Nobody there. Right. So I was in the factory one day, and it was it was like a Friday, a Friday, and I was going out for the weekend, so I needed some shirts. So I was taking some shirts and putting them in a bag, and about maybe twenty shirts, you know. But it wasn't unusual. I did I did it through high school. It wasn't unusual, right? I, I didn't consider it stealing, because it was all it was open, out in the open. I wasn't considered stealing, right? It's not out in the open. You had the key. So <laughs> this particular morning, the the owner of the of the shirt company, and I'm not even going to mention his name because he may be nationally known. All right, the owner of the shirt company grabs me by the collar. Right? What are you doing? I said. Um, Mr. So-and-so, I says, uh, I'm taking shirts. You know that. I mean, I've, we've always had, you know, sometimes, you know, I take some, I'm taking some shirts. The weekend's coming up. Bye, 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 bye. You, uh, you kids, and he said something derogatory, almost like, call me anti He said something, you mafia kids and all that. He said something really derogatory. Okay. Right? So I said, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that. All right? So I put the shirts back. Now I got to worry about repercussions from my father. Right. Right, that's what I was worried about, yeah. and I had a guy that used to um, be my bodyguard. Don't forget, I'm I'm five foot four. Back then, I weighed about ninety pounds. <laughs> right? I weighed about. You needed a bodyguard. I needed a bodyguard. <laughs> I remember my father he told him uh, his name was Powell. He had arms bigger than my whole body. He said, "If anything happens to my son on the streets of New York at two o'clock in the morning, I'm putting your head under the truck." Okay. Right. So we uh, we go back to the office. My father didn't come to work till ten o'clock. And I'm dreading Tib coming to work. So I see him pull up. He goes up the stairs in his office. And I very rarely go upstairs. So he had like a loft office. I go upstairs, all right? Powell's with me, always behind me, right? So I said, something went on with Mr. So-and-so today. He says, uh, what went on? I told him the story. He says, I'm going to ask you one question. Were you disrespectful to him? I says, no, right, Powell? I'm not asking Powell, I'm asking you. Right? I said, I was not disrespectful. In fact, I put all the shirts away. All right? He said, okay, get back downstairs and work. Never heard another word. Didn't chastise me, nothing. About two weeks later, my father's secretary calls me not a, on, the, on, the, on the speaker. Frank, I need you up in the office. I'm go up in the office. She says, Mr. So-and-so's on the phone. He insists on speaking to you. I said, I don't want to speak to him. He embarrassed me the last time I was there. He insists he will not get off. He will not. He needs to speak to you. So I get on the phone. Hi, Mr. So-and-so. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, Frank. Where are you doing? He says, I haven't seen you here in like two weeks. <laughs> I said, well, last time I was there, you embarrassed me. I'm the boss's son, and you embarrassed me in front of the men. Right? He said, Frank, let's put this behind us. He says, I got a case of shirts here waiting for you. Right? You can have them anytime you want. Right? He says, please. I says, Mr. So-and-so, I changed my brand. I won't wear that those shirts anymore. Every time I wear them, I think about that incident. Right? 
He says, please. He says, your father put the word out. I can't get another garbage man, and the Board of Health just closed me down. <laughs> <laughs> then I turned to the cuss and say, that's control. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Right? Shut them down, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's control. Right. And, you know, staffing, you know, I mean... <laughs> You sure five men. You go down the Bowery, you pick up five men, you put them on the back of a garbage truck. You go, down, you go down to where? The Bowery. New York Explain Bowery. that. The Bowery was, it was a place in New York where, you know, like well, now today. In the city. back of the Home Depot. Yeah, they sleep in the, they sleep in the uh, entrances of, of businesses. They sleep on the street. Yeah. So you pick them up. Uh, I'll give you a day's work. Come on. Okay. And they get on the back of a truck. Okay. You know? That's what we used to do back then. So these are homeless people or people without there papers? They were people that chose... People that chose to live on the street. I mean, I had, a, I had an uncle lived on the street and he had $350,000 in the bank. No shit. Yeah. We didn't know that until after he died, right? But my mother, we used to, every Sunday, we used to bring him soup, especially in the winter. He lived on the street in, the, in Brooklyn, in the New York Bowery, right? And we knew the exact entrance to the store he lived in. You know, they lived the entrance of stores that blocks the wind. Right. Or they lived on the, on the, um, the manhole covers from the, uh, um, Subway that blew up steam, right? All right, to and get the warmth, get the warmth, right? And we used to bring him soup every Sunday. We did we did that for about ten years. Then when he died, he left my mother three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So people you choose left your mother three hundred thousand dollars after he died. The guy that left lived on the lived street. on the street. My mother used to bring him soup on Sundays. Wow. Some people choose that life. They just want to drop out of society, right? You know and. There are some people like that. Not home. Not all homeless people are mentally yeah. ill. It's, not a, all. it's a chosen. It's sometimes it's a chosen life. Huh. You know, I can't we, wrap my head around it. But we well, we we knew one downtown who eventually died. All right. He he was very wealthy at one point, and he didn't have to. He didn't have to be homeless. He was able. To, he could have gotten jobs anyplace. He was a very he talented had jobs, guy. Yeah. yeah, he was a very talented guy. Yeah. Right. Rusty. We can yeah. say his name. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked Rusty. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about Rusty and my uh, standing next to my car? No. This one time I go to I go to the cigar lounge. I park my car. I see Rusty out there. He goes like, "Hey, you got a dollar, five dollars, whatever it is." So I give him uh, I give him whatever money. He says, thank you, thank you, blah blah blah. We bullshit for a little bit. I go inside. Uh, about fucking four hours later, it's now midnight. I come out. He's standing next to my car. What are you doing, Rusty? And I noticed my car door is open. I get mad at him. Rusty, what the fuck? You fucking with my car? He says, no. You gave me money out of your car. Then you left the door open. I saw a laptop on the seat. I didn't move. He waited for me for four fucking hours so nobody fucking robbed my car. I said, why didn't you close the door? He said, I don't want to touch your car. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking Rusty, man. Yeah, that was Rusty. I, and that was early on. And I, I love that guy, man. I, I miss sweet, him. Man. I miss him. It's, it's weird to say that a guy that used to come and, you know, hit us up for a couple bucks every so often uh, that I miss him. But I do. Yeah. He was a nice guy. So you told us staffing and control. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things you gave us so far. Is there anything else on that list that you can hit with a story? Well, there's, there's other stories involved in, in that particular in that particular because we were in the recycling business. So now, you, be honest for a second. Yeah. there's some stories you can't tell us. Yeah, there's some stories you can't tell. We were in the recycling business, so you know, in the recycling business, we had big balers in in our plant. You know, which one bale would bale card, cardboard, one would bale mixed paper, one would bale pure paper, one would bale rags, one would bale tin, you know. Um, you never knew what you were going to find in those balers who threw something in there in the middle of the day or at night when you didn't see it. You know, there, there were instances, I'm not going to give specifics. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the listeners want to hear it. No, but it's, uh, 
you never knew what you're going to find in there. You know, it's just uh, a, use your imagination as to what that yeah, means, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit. Go ahead. Some of the listeners have sent a couple of emails when you first started showing up on the show. First of all, people really enjoy listening to you. I think what they enjoy the most is you giving Larry shit indefinitely. Um, and I enjoy it. I think it's funny. It's fun to watch you two going at it. So um, one thing that was brought up in a couple of different emails that I personally am interested about is uh, your, your, your whole jail career, your summer camp, as you, as you call it. Well, as I, as, I, as I tell my wife, and it fries her ass, that was the best four months of my life. <laughs> the best four months of your life were in prison. Mind you, remember I prefaced my, my, garbage, my garbage career by my father refused to ever send me to camp. I never enjoyed camp with kids. Right. I never went to camp. I never had free time to go to camp. Uh, sure, I played, I, I, I played sports, but that was during school, right. you know. Um, I never really enjoyed camp, right? And Not because uh, you couldn't afford it, because you had to go to work. It was it was just part of an education. It was part. It was of important for him that you yeah. get that. It was part of sure. because you know I mean again being the only male in the family, a business that a business that was in, was in our family for seventy years, it was a natural progression for me to it move. Was forward. Grooming you to yeah, take over to move forward. Right. Um, so, uh, I had an IRS problem, the Internal Revenue Service. Right. They said I owe an enormous amount of money. I I fought them for ten years saying I didn't owe them the money. Uh, I got it whittled down, and this is this is the sad part about it. I could have paid them off ten years before. Right. How, right? What was the amount? Fifteen thousand six hundred seventy-one dollars. <laughs> You'll never forget yeah. that number. But it was there's a threshold above fifteen thousand dollars was a felony. That was a threshold. Now I had a medical license I had to worry about. Right. Right. And so I I went and hired a federal attorney, and I said, listen, I don't have any problem paying this off. He says. They're going to give you a felony, and you only get six months probation. That's what I can cut for you, all right? A felony be on your record. Then you have to deal with the Board of Medicine on your felony situation. Now that you have a felony and you're guilty. Right. Essentially because you paid it. I, yeah. Right. So, so we got to fight it, all right? His bill was $550,000. Oof. Right? Say that fast enough. It doesn't sound like a lot. Yeah. His bill, his bill was $550,000. That's a lot of money. Sure. That's a lot of money. And this was in the 90s? This was late nineties, uh, yeah, late nineties, yeah, late nineties. Wow, okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm found guilty I'm found after the whole fucking thing. They came after me for seven hundred thousand dollars. The wind up, the number wind up being fifteen thousand six hundred seventy one dollars, just what we thought. Wow. All right, but you know, they had to make it look good. You know, um, you know, and sometimes you pay for the sins of your father. You know, not that my father. Maybe he had a couple of sins, but not a lot of sins. Okay. But, you know, uh, one of the things they hit me with in trial, which at that point I was about, I was probably about 10 to 12 years out of the garbage business. Right. right? They put a picture of all these garbage trucks on the wall overhead uh, of my father's plant in New York City, and I was vice president of his business. But I wasn't collecting a dime when I, when I was a doctor after that. I had a credit card. Right. But I wasn't collecting a dime. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> That's a different story. All right. So they tainted the jury. Yeah, there must be something dirty here, a garbage kid from New York, medical school, and all that stuff. Okay, right? okay. The jury finds me guilty, all right? Um, before the jury came back, right, the judge admonished the federal government by saying this should have not come to trial, this is not a criminal offense, and my lawyers kicked me under the table and said he's going to self-direct it, all right? Self-direct, you mean the 
the judge doesn't want to go to the jury. He's going to find you not guilty. Right. All right? He's going to find you not guilty. He turns, he says, this, this should have not been a criminal charge. He says, but you know, the way, you, the way you've handled this, the government, he says, I know that if I self-direct this, you have a right to appeal. I'm going to bring the jury back and let them let him go. Oh, fuck. The jury found me guilty. That fucking sucks. Yeah. So the judge didn't believe that this was as bad as they made it seem. He actually told, in fact, I have paperwork. He actually told the, the federal government, this is not a criminal offense. You should have not been The here. IRS prosecutor or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fucking bullshit. So yeah. the jury comes back. Let's be guilty. They find, well, listen, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a panel of your peers. So yeah. it is what it is. So then the threshold is six months in prison. Right? Oh, that would have been your max. That's yeah. For fifteen thousand dollars over six months, that's a that's the max. That's okay. the threshold with two years probation. Okay, right. It's easy for you two years probation. You don't fucking do anything wrong. So we go we go to uh, we go to the hearing. You know, for sentencing hearing. The judge says, "I'm going to give him four months with no probation." Unheard of, unheard of, because he didn't believe it should be a criminal offense. But he had to give me something. Right, right. Prosecution stands up. I object. He says, if you stand up one more time, he's going to go free. Oh. Right? They sat down. Right? I got four months. Now the thing is, where are they going to send me? Right. Right? Not even Florida. Right? They're talking about sending me to Miami jail where Noriega was. Oh, fuck. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> I'd hold Miami so I could be close. I didn't want to go to jail. Right, right, right. right. Uh, the, uh, the local congressman at the time helped me out. You want to say his name? Uh, Bill Nelson. Okay. Uh, he's uh, right now he runs a space. Still around. Yeah. yeah. Bill. Bill's a good guy. Um, uh, he helped me out. He was able to get me into a camp in Montgomery, Alabama. And that's what they call it, a camp. It's it's super low security. There's no security. No security. No security. So describe it's, describe what your prison time was like. Well, you walk on a your air, camp time. You walk on an Air Force base. Okay. Uh, Maxwell Air Force Base. Okay. Right. Um, I never. By the way, I never had handcuffs on me ever. Even when you were transported? Self-directed. You went and dropped yourself off? Knocked on the gate. No shit. Knocked on the gate. You can't even call that shit prison. Right? Knocked on the gate. I'm here. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. They pick me up with a van. All right? They take me uh, to the warden. All right? First, they take you into a prep area where they, you know, they stick their finger up your ass and check to make sure you don't have any <laughs> contraband with you and all that stuff. Larry will tell you their finger's not long yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> And they give you army fatigues. Oh, so right. you don't wear like the normal... No, because they want you blending in with the servicemen on campus because we were the people that worked uh, the hotel, uh, did the gardening, uh, worked, worked on the... whatever You're the grounds crew. We're the grounds crew. Yeah. All right? So we were, we were treated as military people. All right? We were treated as military <laughs> people. fucking amazing. Right? So you, I walk into the warden's office and... Uh, he says, there's something wrong with your paperwork. I says, what's wrong with my paperwork? He says, uh, you give him four months in prison with no probation. I says, well, that's what I was giving. He says, I got to check into this. This has never happened before. Right. Right. He, about two days later, he says, I never heard it, but it's true. Right. It's true. So um, the, uh, I worked out a fairly decent job there. I found out what the best job was going to be there, and I was able to maneuver myself into it. Uh, in, into the specific job. One of the things is that I couldn't practice medicine there, right? Um, at, the, uh, at the Air Force yeah, Base. I was, warned, yeah, I was warned that, 
well, there are only 300 inmates, right? And, you know, they'd come to me for things. And the warden says, you cannot practice medicine there. I happened to help a couple of the indigenous, indigenous, indigenous people out, the Indians, right? And I was given the honor. They had teepees on a river. We, we, were on, we had a beautiful, beautiful place. It was, I'm telling you, it was better it's than It's hard any. to believe that you're describing a fucking prison sentence. We had teepees, and I was in one of the sweat lodges chanting with them and so forth. I really got involved in the culture. It was really wonderful. And then if it didn't interfere with my tennis lessons, because I had tennis lessons... And um, <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous, I, man. I, this is Club Med. I played golf, Club Fed, please. <laughs> I love I, it. <laughs> I played golf twice a week, um, uh, racquetball, tennis lessons, and I had a personal trainer. All right. Um, the, um, the, the currency at the time was uh, cans of mackerel. Okay. Right? Uh, that was your currency for, for one mackerel, can of mackerel, I had my bed made every day. For another can of mackerel, I had my clothes washed every day. Right, um, so you mobbed the whole fucking thing. So it worked out great. Yeah, it worked out great. Where'd you get your your mackerel? Right. Right. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. Oh, is that I kind of shit? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I wound up with a good job there. Yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Well, but but not the uh, but you couldn't do. So if somebody came up to you and said, "Look at this fucking wound on my on my arm," you can't. Yeah, I mean. You weren't allowed. If it, the guards caught you, you know, then you were in trouble. Well, you're not practicing so, medicine. You're just yeah. saying you should do something about yeah. that. It's in, it's getting infected. So you know, and, and they had a, they had a very good infirmary there. You know, okay. the infirmary was very good. Well, yeah, it's a fucking uh, yeah. military base, yeah, Air was, Force base. It was. I played I played uh, softball for the uh, Air Force team. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I just couldn't go on uh, overnight trips with them. Okay, I only, if the game was in in the complex, which was a couple thousand acres. Sure, you know, I was able to play there. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Did it you? Was, it was a great time. I, I was kind of sad, but I left. <laughs> You're gonna miss it. <laughs> well, listen. It sounds like you had a, a pretty good experience overall. I mean. Well, I, I, I'm saying that if you, you know, federal camp is uh, is a good experience. When uh, Barbara Walters did an expose on that particular camp, and she called the club fed, all right. Is that my, where that came from? What? Is that where they came yeah, from? No yeah. shit. She called the club fed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, mind you, these these are all white collar guys. You know, most most of the guys back then it was uh, I don't know if you remember Health Health South was having a big controversy. A few of their executives went to prison. How the fuck would I remember? I was yeah. in high school. Yeah. So we had a bunch of corporate execs, CEOs, this guy, that guy. Oh, that we're all doing time there with you. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to mingle with these guys. I got to mingle with all of them. They're all good people. I had I had a, I had a wonderful experience with one guy. Okay, right. It was a wonderful experience and a and a bad experience. Um, I had a guy that they put in a bunk above me. All right. So you still lived in bunks and cells. There were actual cells. No cells. It was, we had uh, we had 150 people in one room. Okay. All right. And we had a little pod there, so there'd be like uh, uh, three bunk beds in a little pod. Do you have private bathrooms? No, I mean it was public. Public bathrooms. Yeah. You couldn't walk around with your underwear on. Um, the, it was very, they were homophobic. Really? Un, un, unusual for, you say, prison. You weren't not allowed to walk with your underwear on. You had to walk around with pants on. Okay. Right? Um, so that, that, that was the only thing I thought was, you know, a little unusual. You hear all these stories about prisons, you know, guys being hey, you, you hear know, fucking Larry's active, stories, yeah. Sexually active. Um, but it wasn't like that there. Okay. Um, well, it doesn't sound like real prison, to be honest with you. So I had a guy above me. He came about a month after I came, right? And he had an accent. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from South Africa, right? 
oh, okay. Um, and I had problems walking with him because he wouldn't walk on the sidewalk, unfortunately, um, if a black man was walking on the same sidewalk. He was racist. Yeah, it was, well, he was, it was the middle of apartheid, basically. Okay, okay. You know, they were still having problems. Right, as far right? as this guy's concerned, it was fresh on his mind. But he had, he had more to complain about. He, he used to own um, 25 lobster boats. Um, and he, what happened was they came to him and they said to him, he's got to give 20% of his earnings um, because apartheid was just ending to um, a black man, right? He says, that's a lot of money. He says, I was making a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of money. I had to give 20%. And they were waiting on the docks for me every time I came in, right? So he overfished the waters, right? It, 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 it violated some type of act that was written in 1870 or something like that. So, and that's he, why he's doing time? No. Oh. The Attorney General of, of South Africa, all right, prosecutes him, right? They take away his business, right? He gets a seven seven million dollar fine. He says, Screw it. He says he took his whole family and moved to New York City. All right. He moves to New York City. You're right. He says, I'm sitting in a condo in New York City. He says I had plenty of money. So sitting in a condo in New York City, they knock on his door, FBI. We're getting you in, in uh, I think it was called the Lacey Act violation. We said, wait, wait a minute. I have a letter. He says I already paid my dues. This is double jeopardy. He says, your crime in South Africa means nothing. You violated international law. Right. Right? So. Double jeopardy doesn't even play a role if it's in different countries. Yeah. 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 So he gets a $100 million fine thinking he's going to get out. I said, what did you do with the $100 million fine? How'd you pay it? He says, I just paid it. What am I going to do? I thought I wanted to stay out of jail. Now I have a guy living above me that paid a $100 million fine. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave, me, they gave me a year. They gave him a fucking year? They gave me a year. He didn't have as good of a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It was really an incredible story. So, but you, you see where, you know, there's, there's no reason for hate in this country, right? And... And you can understand how these people lived in South Africa, you know, and how they how they treated black people. You know? Oh shit! It man. just was not right. Oh yeah. Oh it yeah. It was not right. And it was the first time I really saw hate in somebody's eyes. We were walking on the same sidewalk because he would see a black guy and get mad. Unbelievable. Fuck him. Yeah. Well, let's I stop walking with him. Right. Because you're like fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the story at that point. Right. Right, started, right. And after I I. I I questioned him on it. Why are you acting like this? He went and told me this whole story. Wow. You know? Yeah. You know, it's, you say this was so close to, to what was going on there in South Africa and, and all the shit that was going on. So, but the fact of the matter is, is a day after the war was over, most of the Germans that were living in Germany at the time said they didn't have any problem with Jews. It was just a governmental thing. Okay? So this guy didn't have to hate black people. He didn't have to be a fucking racist. That's something that wasn't that he was racist. You know what I mean? You can't say it was he was a product of his environment. I don't like to give people excuses. You know what? That's a good segue. Let's talk about the fucking anti-Semitism that's being fucking rampant in this country. Let's talk right about now. this asshole Kyrie Irving. Fuck that motherfucker. Listen, listen to this guy. All right. First of all, he refused to apologize. I think he apologized maybe this, this morning. This morning, yeah. yeah. He refused to apologize. His right? apology this morning was fucking light. And if at you best. and if you listen, if you look at here's one of these guys 
who questioned whether or not the Holocaust existed. He can go fuck himself. He questioned the Holocaust. That's why you have to give Dwight Eisenhower, all right? Anybody who's known Dwight Eisenhower was our president, all right? At the end he, of the war. He was a five-star general. He was led out troops in, in World War II, all right? When, when, we went to visit, when they went to visit all those camps, Eisenhower said, nobody's going to believe this 100 years from now. I want to videotape it all. Remember? Oh, yeah. It was all videotaped. Because, you know, there are, there's a significant segment of population, especially in the Middle East, right. that denies the Holocaust existed. It, it, it's everywhere. Yeah. They denied it the, the, a year after. And it now we have it in this country. Now Listen, we have in this country. They asked him, they said to Eisenhower, they said, uh, why are you taking pictures of videos of this, this fucking massacre? He was taking uh, uh, videos of, of piles of dead bodies and, and all this shit. And that's what he said. He said, fucking people are going to deny this happened. You know, history right. has a fucking weird way of working. We need to fucking document this. And uh, I commend him for that. Uh, but more than that, you know, the, the fact that there's people in this country right now that deny the Holocaust... Um, and this is, this is a, the, the age of information. You can Google pictures. You can see everything. You, you know that, I mean, other than propaganda, it is common uh, information. Fuck those people. Yeah. Well, you know, there are wackos all over the place. I mean, there are people that deny that we landed on the moon, all right? There are people that uh, deny... But that's harmless. Uh, see, there, that's harmless, there, the, the whole, the whole there, moon There thing. are people that, uh, the jet that the Pentagon wasn't a jet, you know? Yeah. That didn't happen. That was a rocket. A rocket. You know, so, you know. Yeah, it, except it had fucking wings and a cabin. <laughs> how, how this stuff gets started, you know, you, you have a little pilot light and all of a sudden it just starts spreading with, with these maniacs. Well, you could, you could thank YouTube for that a little bit. Yeah. YouTube has fucking millions and millions of hours worth of fucking conspiracy theory videos. And, you know, you watch some of them. These motherfuckers will make you believe something, you know. Like the whole uh, 9-11 was an was a inside job, people. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You watch enough of that shit, it's like almost like they're, they're like brainwashing you. You know? You, you start doubting. You're like, well, maybe they got a fucking point. They spew a bunch of facts that you can't research. What, what about, the, what about the, uh, the radio jock that uh, denied that all those kids were killed? And now he just got, he got what, a $30 million, billion fine? $30 Who's million? this? Refresh my memory. I don't... I don't... Oh, the massacre of all those kids in the school... Or was it in Connecticut or New York? I forgot the name of the, uh, the issue. Which one? It happens so... It, there's so many fucking school shooters. young kids. These were children. Children. They were massacred. And there You're was, talking about the Uvalde, the Texas thing? The no. most recent one? No. No, no this okay. happened a few years ago. And there's a radio a guy on the radio saying it was all a hoax. Okay. It didn't occur. Okay. I mean, you have parents that lost their kids. Uh, all right? And they took this guy to court. All right? Good. He, he's, already, he's already been... It's fine, about $30 million. He won't, he'll never pay a dollar. No, he's not pay a dollar. Yeah, he'll it's just a dollar. fine. Yeah. He will never own a, a house, but he will never yeah. pay a dollar either. Yeah. Fuck that guy, too. I apologize for the listeners for not knowing that, um, but it's... Yeah, we, we don't know the exact... Yeah, but listen, we're just shooting the shit here. Um, one more thing we'll say about anti-Semitism. Fucking Kanye, he's fucking... He, he's mentally ill. Well, Kanye is definitely mentally ill. But, I, but we talked about this but there's other... there's no animal. excuse. It's not an excuse. No excuse. You know, it's, uh, uh, I want to say it's an inborn error of metabolism because these people are hateful to the bone. They're hateful people. Right? I don't think Kanye is that hateful. I think he's just fucking fucked up. I think it's mental illness. I think he, he hates Jews because he, he fucking drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I think that's what it is. And this other fucking asshole... Irving, he, he, he can go fuck himself. Well, the, the, whole, the whole point is, is that these people aren't treated as 
you or I would be treated for making racist comments. They're not treated like we would be treated. I, I can bring examples. Because they're black? I don't know why. All right? I don't want to. Because cause cause he's an athlete? Because he's yeah. uh, powerful? They, there's they, money? They, what they, is it? Well, let's take. Could be a combination of let's all. Let's take the owner of the basketball team um, a couple of years ago. All right? The owner of the Sacramento Kings, I think it was. Uh, guy was a billionaire. All right? Made a couple of derogatory comments. Mm-hmm. All right? They took a, a $2 billion team away from him. Yeah. All right. Uh, immediately, Good. Immediately, Good. Um, immediately, it started. I I agree with it. Yeah. I agree with it. You take the you take with the Washington Redskins, the, the family the Washington Redskins are going through now. A couple of misogynistic comments he makes. A couple of uh, way he treats employees. They're taking a team. They're going to take that team away from him. He's got. He's going to be forced to sell. Good. But yet you take it. You you, you take it to another level when you start talking about anti semitism because what the Jewish people have gone through. Over the over the, the past fifty hundred years, yeah. All right, Holocaust is we only sh- seventy years. We should have learned our lesson that you can't allow this to brew, and these people have to get pay the price. Kyrie Irving should never be able to step on a basketball court again. Agreed. I will not even watch a, an NBA basketball team if they keep him in the league. Right. I will never watch NBA again. Right. And and that's how you hurt these people, right? You hurt them. But you take away their revenue, right? You take away you their, hurt revenue, their pockets, and all of a sudden the NBA will bend, right? They'll bend. Well, I, listen, I would do the exact same thing, but I don't think it's going to happen. Right now, they're saying a minimum of a five-game suspension with no pay. That's what they're going to do. And you know what? It's light. That's a light fucking sentence for what he did. This guy, that's not going to hurt him. He he's took a take, half a year off last year. Yeah, he's taking a break. What's the damn difference with right. him? He gets he gets a chance to sit out. What they need to do is they need to give him an indefinite break and just fucking. Push them into the wind. And, and, and a huge fine. A huge fine. You know, the, the, problem, the problem with fining people um, is that they don't really have to pay. Yeah, but you see, his salary, Nobody, his salary is guaranteed, let's say, over a 10-year period. Oh, these take guys, it out of his salary. Yeah. These guys signed $20 million, yeah, $200 yeah, yeah. million no, contracts, all right? So you're not going to get the next eight so years. So what, what do you do with the money, Frank? Uh, what? What do you do with the money? Yeah, you got to bring it back in. Somehow you got to bring it back to anti-Semitism, anti-racism, anti-something. You have to get it back. You have to give it back to education of education on the, on the issue of what anti-Semitism is. And just, just, as, just as you have, you have the LBGT community educating, educating our young kids, all right, of what it means uh, to be of the same sex but want to be somebody else, all right, with... With that education is continuing, right? I don't want to get into that topic because it's a it's a it's a deep topic, but it's a whole whole to an education because you see that education occurring, which a lot of people are objecting to. A lot of people are objecting to censorship with books. You know, we have we have a, the mothers. What do you call them? The mothers something here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I forget the name. Mothers for something. Yeah, we have a group of people here that are restricting books in the community. Right. You can't start restricting literature and books. You can't. That's where it started in Germany. That is. That's where it started. Right. All right. Now I'm not a proponent. I'm not a proponent of of taking this and promoting it to five to eleven year olds as as would happen with the Stag Show uh, in in our own town here. Oh, you're remember. talking to the Randy Fine thing, the yeah. uh, the drag queen story time. The drag queen story time. Which is basically a drag show for children. Drag show for children, five to eleven year olds. They were invited. All right. I'm not in favor of that. 
Right. You know, listen, I'm not in favor of that either. I wouldn't take my kids. But at the same time, as long as they, they could do whatever, the, people could do whatever they want with their kids. There's no fucking manual as to what you could do with your kids. Yeah. Right? If this is how you feel, you want your kid, you know, having a story time, I'm okay with it. I think Randy's point was he just doesn't want it done on the street. He just doesn't want it done in like a, a public manner. And, and well, Randy's point was it was sanctioned by the town. The, the town gave a permit. Right. Right. And in the permit, they didn't have that. Yeah. But and so it looked like just the, leaning it looked like the though. town was sanctioning this right, right. this type of thing. yeah. I think they should take the fucking money from the fines or whatever it is that they take from them, and they should start programs to educate minorities about other minorities. How about that? Yeah, because it's it's unbelievable to me. Black people feel some sort of oppression here in this country. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, there is there, it, it's been proven millions of times. That, you know, just for being different, you are looked at differently. I don't think... I I, don't, I'm not going to get into that argument. But I don't think... I think you're wrong when you say uh, black people still feel uh, some type of oppression. I there is oppression in this country. I think what it is... I think it's more of um, uh, 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 an attribution. I, they want us to pay them back. There are a certain group of people that say, what we suffered in in 1860s and 1870s, I need, I need some retribution for that. Okay, but I'm not talking about retribution. We can't do that. We can't do that. No, you can't. I understand that. I understand. All I'm saying is, is that for, for people who are already oppressed to oppress other people and to bring, you know, unfair statements out there and to generalize people for, for in my, basically what I'm saying in, in simple words, for a black person to hate Jews, to hate another minority, any minority, fuck, I say Jews because it's close to home, but whatever, to hate Italians, to hate this, that, and the other, you know, yellow, green, purple, I don't care. To hate somebody for who they are, just based in, on a generality, it's such bullshit. It's such bullshit. It is. Uh, but you see, there, there are certain cultures that rise above it. For instance, when I was in school, right, I went to school with a lot of white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, right? Went to school with them. I was a guinea. I was a wop. I was a greaser, all right? Now, forget, my father was a blue-collar guy, right? All right? We're a blue-collar family. Right, we were in trash business. Yeah, we were in trash business. We we're blue collar family. Right, we rose above those words and flourished. Right. right? Listen, it's not it's not that easy though. I, I understand. It's not that, that easy. But and every, plus, every, for every for every, every ten people like you, there was one person who got their panties in a knot over it. Yeah. Not all Italians took it for face value. That's why Italians they they were they were feared eventually, and that's why people fucking stopped. I don't know that they stopped. There's still some fucking Italian racism out there too. I, I, I just think, other, I think every group suffers from racism. Yeah, well, listen, the other day I saw a guy in that Camaro that had the fucking Italian flag on it, right? Like, oh, it's fucking, I'll say it because I'm fucking Guido, right? <laughs> and he cut somebody off at the light and the guy fucking yelled out, you fucking guinea. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. that's, that was right here in Melbourne. Yeah. That was fucking two weeks ago. So it's still alive. You know what I mean? My well, point is for one, for one minority to hate another, it's such bullshit. I, I don't think anybody should hate anybody just based on who they are or where they come from. But for one minority to hate the other, you know what the hate, what the, what the feeling's like. You know what I mean? You know what it's like when people fucking hate you for one thing or another. Well, you know, you and I are, 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 are people that, that, that grew up in a uh, multicultural cities. Yes. Right. I never experienced racism when yeah, I me neither. when I came until I came to Florida. Yeah, I, I had some anti-Semitism growing up, but nothing not not I as never, rampant as yeah, it is. I never really experienced it. Don't forget, you know, we, we had, you know, half our half our employees were black or Hispanic, right? Um, Teachers, they 
they they they lived with us. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, it's I hate to say some of my friends were Jewish. That makes you that makes makes you sound like a racism. No, it's but, true. But we grew up in a multicultural area where we never really experienced racism. All right, never did. Yeah, you know, I I mean, my father wouldn't have breakfast in the morning unless his best friend, who was a black guy, all right. My mother was allowed to put the eggs on until he was sitting at the table with us right. in the morning. So he can yeah. eat fresh eggs. Yeah. So it, it wasn't until I came to Florida. And you know right here, I mean. The area that we're in is fucking. When I came here, this was a, a, a hotbed from Clutch Clan. And it still exists. Oh, yeah. It still exists. There's, there's a little bit of a wake-up thing that happens. I'll tell you, I moved here. Um, fuck, it's been 10 years, man. Yeah. I've been here a long time now. And you've been here, obviously, a lot longer than I. But when I first got here, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. And then, like, when the whole Trump thing happened, and, you know, unfortunate to say, when, when Trump was around, whether he was a proponent to it or not, a lot of these groups that were kind of hiding, KKK, QAnon, this guy and the other, those hate groups, essentially, they all kind of surfaced a little bit. I don't know if they felt like they had a voice. I don't know if it's just the time, the weather, whatever it is. It happened. And over here, locally, fuck was it present yeah you can really feel well i, I bet you well, listen i visit philly a lot in philly you couldn't because you pop your little fucking racist head up in philly and they'll chop it the fuck off yeah. the ironic thing about about when trump was president it's where anti-semitism was getting started you don't forget his grandkids were jewish his grandkids are jewish and i didn't say he was an no, but, but i'm saying that a, a lot of the anti-semitism right started around that it, Flourish, it started flourishing at that time. You know, 15 years ago, it wasn't as bad as it is today. It's worse today than it was 15 years ago. Yeah. But you're a Jewish man, so you... you 15 you years ago, sensitive. I lived... No, 15 you're, years ago, I was young enough, yeah. and I lived in Philly, and I didn't feel it. Yeah. You know, my, my eyes weren't as open to it as they are now. Now, I'm, I'm an adult. I have kids to worry about and their futures, and now I really worry. And I want to make sure my kids are raised with the proper um, um, understanding of everybody's equality in general, you know? So I now have to worry about it. But, Frank, when you met me, be honest, when you met me, I didn't feel that stuff. I didn't worry about that. I knew it was there, and I knew that it was a problem, and I personally never had hate in my heart because I, I wasn't raised that way. But... But I just didn't... Re so, so to say that, that it is more common today or more rampant today than it was 15 years ago, I agree with you, but not because of knowledge. I agree with you because of your knowledge, not mine. Because me, I just didn't feel it. I didn't see it. When you say something like that, you know, it fucking... It almost pisses me off. When I say something? No, when you say something like that, when you say that now it's, it's worse than it was 15 years ago, that fucking pisses me off. Well, this morning in the New York Times had three articles on anti-Semitism. Well, it's right now between Kanye and Douchebag. You know, you know, that's why these guys are bringing it to the main stage. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Fuck. Well, you have something else that's going on, too. What's that? Netanyahu's back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I saw, saw that on the news. to get back. Well, right? let, let's he tell the listeners who that is. It's the prime minister of Israel. He was the former the longest, prime minister. The longest serving prime minister Israel's ever had. Right. And, and he has the approval. He had the best approval rating. He was in Israel. It's, it's, a, it's a different system than it is here. It takes multiple parties to put together enough votes to create a government. So in order for you to get your 51% or whatever it is to create a government, you need to like kind of cut deals between all these different parties. It's not just two parties, blue and red. You've got a work party there, a labor party, and they're separate, by the way. Work and labor are separate, which is fucking ridiculous. Uh, you've got your Arab party. You've got your uh, Russian party. You've got So you've got all these different parties. And yeah, you have to appease them. Right. And he 
was the best at forming a coalition. But now he formed a coalition with this guy named Aziz, who is so far to the right. It's so, going to be the most fucking uh, radical right yeah. movement that Israel's ever seen. It is so far to the right. The Netanyahu, I mean, it's not, there's no longer talk about a two-state issue. It's talking, that far right wants to annihilate the Palestinians. I don't think so. You're wrong. But that's what's coming out, the, yeah, the dialogue that's coming out see, from that group. That's misinformation. Okay. And you know what? You don't get a lot of good news here on The Real Deal. We, we joke around, we talk about yeah. everything, it's all bullshit, but this is real news. Yeah. I know Israelis, I know the people who are conservative in Israel. I know the farthest, farthest of right people. They do not want to kill the Palestinians. They have nothing to fucking do with the Palestinians. If the Palestinians were to put their fucking weapons today, it's, they'll put them down, it's over. It's that simple. They are the aggressors 100% of the time. Israel provides them with water, food, uh, and hospitals, uh, doctors, and whatever it is that they need. They let them know before they fucking bomb them. And you know, they only bomb places where they know for a fact there are terrorists and terrorist fucking uh, ammunition. Israel doesn't go and kill fucking people like the bullshit that they fucking feed the people online and all these fucking dumbass celebrities who take a fucking position without knowing shit. Well, you know, there's... I'm going to get off my soapbox because they've heard it all before. And, and obviously, this means something to me. But, you know, the whole idea well, of it, it being a right fucking... No, yeah, it's people good. Are get, people are getting uh, the side which they don't hear. Right. Right? They yeah. don't hear. Yeah. Right? I don't hear that. I, I, read, I read the articles in the New York Times this morning, you know, and uh, about the Net Netanyahu coalition and how far to the right it's going to push him and how it's going to hurt probably... The peace plans that they have. Bullshit, there yeah. is no peace. The motherfuckers are shooting rockets at Israel every fucking day. They don't want peace. They want the annihilation of the Jewish people. They want Israel to not be Israel. That's what they want. There's no fucking peace. There was never a peace conversation on the table, Frank. The last peace conversation was in 1992 with the guy that got shot in 1994. By the way, today, uh, November 4th, is exactly the day he got shot. Uh, Yitzhak Rabin, that was his name. He got shot. He was the prime minister I at the time. I know where Rabin is. Yeah. He got shot uh, by some fucking dumbass. By the way, a radical right. You know what I mean? Has nothing to do with fucking peace. This is not peace. By the way, the other, the other thing with Netanyahu, he's a guy that was involved in the war back in 47, 48 when they were taken over. Do you know the Antebi? And, and, and do you know that his brother? His brother was the only, the only casualty Kevin. in Antebi. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, I don't think the listeners really care too much about this, but if you, if you do, research it. If you do, send us an email if you want to hear more about this. I, I'd love to talk about this because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, but to me, it's a soapbox, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to, 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 to bombard people with information they might not care about. So you like a, you're a Philly guy. How do you like the Phillies with what's happened? Dude, first of all, let's talk about the 8-0, baby. How do you like that? Fucking Eagles. I, like I can't that. believe it. Yo, I, I am so fucking happy, although... Although I will say, did you watch the game last night? The baseball game? No, the, watched, you watched I, baseball I, yeah, instead. I baseball. So I watched the fucking Eagles. I'm not a big baseball fan. However, super happy for the Phillies. Uh, you'll update me on a second on what happened with the Phillies. But I'll tell you, last night, the, uh, Eagles played the Texans. And it didn't look great it, uh, for a long time. You know, I mean, you could tell that the Eagles were the better team. There's no question about it. I mean, what's uh, the Texans records? What, what, it's 1-6-1, I think. Yeah. Right? Yes. They have a tie and, and, and six losses. So um, they, they actually look pretty good against the Eagles. It's, un, it's kind of unbelievable. But they, look, they look good last week, too. They did, yeah. So 
Um, that was that was. I'm glad that we won that game, but it was harder than it needed to be, in my opinion. And and you know, Pierre, uh, part of the. Te- I don't. I don't. Let's not talk football. Fuck that. Tell me what happened with the fucking Phillies. Well, I know they they got hit with a no hitter the, the night Phil- before. Yeah, the Phillies. The Phillies had to win that game mm-hmm. because they're going to go back to Houston and play two games in Houston now, right? Uh, and the Phillies had a lot going for them. The best pitcher probably of this generation right now is Justin Verlander, right? Justin Verlander, however, in series starts, he's zero and six. And the Phillies will be, he, he notoriously does bad in these games, right? And he won the game for Houston last night, right? But they have a kid, a rookie kid, Houston has his name is Pena, right? One of the best shortstops I've ever seen, and the kid can hit. The kid can hit. It's an incredible. And you're talking about an Astros player. An Astro player. Fuck yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. This is we're we're celebrating the Phillies right now. Fuck those guys. Well, I think the Phillies. <laughs> you know, baseball is a strange sport. Um, the two best teams in baseball aren't in the World Series. Right. Right. Yankees and Dodgers. Well, no. Listen, uh, Astros had a pretty good season. Well, Astros, Astros, as as the. Uh, New York Times said this morning, all right, uh, do we have a dominant team? Uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, well, a team that's dominated everything over the past few years, and they have, but they've only won one, one, one World Series. Right. And they won that World Series through theft. You know that, right? I heard about it, yeah. What happened was they were, they were videotaping, hand signals, videotaping, uh, oh. and the hitters knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? They knew where the ball was going. Yeah. That was the only World Series they won. What, is that illegal? Of course it is. You, it's up to you to change your yeah. fucking language. Well, it's like uh, the gate also. And, uh, oh, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, you can't, Which is also kind of bullshit. That's yeah, kind of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Dynasty. They, they said, do they have a dynasty? Because they've been in the World Series for the past six years. Right. Right? But they've only won one. Yeah. And then when the one they won, it was it's questionable. Well, I hope they <laughs> fucking lose this one too. I'll be honest. They got, they got two games. The thing about the Phillies is they were a mediocre team most of the year. Mm-hmm. They peaked at the right time, right? And they have a kid who had ten years ago had all the potential in the world. What's his name? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Bryce yeah, Harper. That's what I thought. And he finally has come up. Right. He's finally come up to you know they spent a lot of money getting him a couple of years ago. No pun intended. He stepped to the plate. He stepped to the plate. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an interesting series because they, they've peaked at the right time. It's great for the city of Philadelphia because they have two teams now. Great for the Philly, the, for the city, I don't know, because fucking if we win the, the World Series and the Super Bowl, that city will be inflamed twice in one year. <laughs> I don't know what it is about us. And listen, I love Philly. I bleed fucking Philly. I, everybody here that knows me knows I'm from Philly. I love it. That's my, that's my home. It happened a few years well, back. We destroy her fight in 2008. When I lived in Philadelphia, uh, we had they they had uh, McNair, McNair uh, McCab. They won. They won. They had a Pete Rose led Philadelphia Phillies. Right, Pete Rose was on the team. They won a championship, and the Flyers won in one year. Oh shit! Yeah, Flyers. Won. What year was that? Seventy six. Yeah, about, it was probably, no, I, think it was, I think it was the 80, 81, something like that. Yeah, it was definitely wasn't in my lifetime, yeah, I know that. Yeah. And, you know, they New York did that back in, what, 69, uh, was it? When the Knicks and the Mets and, uh, um, I think, the Rangers, Island, Rangers or Islanders, yeah. yeah. That's fucking, you know, here, here's the thing. As far as I'm concerned, I just want Philly, I, I'm not into baseball, but I want the Phillies to fucking kill it. 
Uh, and I already know that the fucking Eagles are going to kill it. We need our major markets like Philadelphia, like New York, like Los Angeles, um, uh, to step up to the plate, another pun, step up to the plate. <laughs> because baseball, which used to be America's sport, right, is a dying sport. It is a dying it's sport. It's a dying sport. Yeah. Kids aren't playing it it's anymore. It's not America's favorite pastime yeah. anymore. Kids aren't playing it anymore. Uh, it's, a difficult, it's difficult to make the pros in, in baseball. Uh, that's why we support Dominican Republic. We fund all the Dominican Republic. Because that's, that's where the good players come out of. That's where they come out of. Yeah. That's where they come out of. Right. That kid that pitched the no-hitter. We funded him. He came, you know, he signed a professional contract when he was 16 years old. Over yeah, Dominican that's an Republic. Astros player? Uh, Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I want to tell you a funny story that I read yesterday. Um, the Astros are in Philly, and they're trying to secure catering for the players. So they call a couple pizza places and a couple, you know, places that, that are famous in Philly for their food, and they deny them a catering job. They straight up, nope, it's for the Astros, go fuck yourself. Doesn't matter how much money, and you know the teams, you know, it's 10000 15000 whatever it is. It's not cheap catering job. You're doing a fucking, this is a big deal, right? Yes. For any, they told them to go fucking kick rocks, man. They told them, and, and you know what? Only in fucking Philly will a pizza place bleed so fucking hard for their team that they'll say, fuck you and your players. The only way I'm doing it is if I get to fucking give you food poisoning. Well, you know, they, 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 were, missing, they were missing one guy in the middle. If they had Larry Lawton there, they would have gotten pizza. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I told you. We went to the Colorado game. No, right. So Larry, Larry's in the elevated hotel. You know, and Larry is he can network with anybody. Sure. Right? He net. He there were ball That's players. Magic. There were ball players in the elevator. Oh. Right. So he's networking and so forth with the ball players. All of a sudden, he gets a call from the team to come down to batting practice. The Colorado Rockies. Yeah. All right. Then after Didn't they give him the game ball. After the game, they come up to the hotel room. They bring him hats with his name in them. I know. He right? showed it on yeah. the show. Game ball, all right? Yeah. It was, it was an incredible situation. <laughs> he, he does it all through his bullshit. No, listen. That's his fucking magic. <laughs> he, he, he's a magical guy when it comes to that. Listen, you guys might like listening to Larry, but if you ever met him in person, you will fall in love with the fucking oh, yeah. guy, right? I mean, yeah. it's amazing how he does it. It's, it's hard. really amazing. It's hard not to love the guy. I love Larry. Yeah. I do. I love that yeah. motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, guy. Larry's on a cruise today. That's why he's not here. But I, I think he announced that on Monday. Yeah. He'll be back uh, Sunday, so he'll be here for the Monday show. Um, he made his made his he made his run. Yeah, uh, yes, yesterday or the day before for more butt plugs. You know that, right? <laughs> Did you know that? No, I did not know that. <laughs> How the fuck do you know that? <laughs> so wait, before he left for the cruise, he went to the fucking store and he bought went, more. They went to that place. Can I mention the name? The name of the place? Yeah. I don't think it matters. Hot Flicks. He went to Hot Flicks, you know. Hot yeah. Flicks, which used to be for porn and, videos. And he went with a friend of Al's wife. Oh, well, that, that name, you definitely shouldn't put it out there. <laughs> no, no, listen. I, I know why she went. I didn't realize she went, but I know why she went. She's shopping as She's, a gag gift yeah, for somebody gag, else. Yeah. yeah. Larry's not, this is not a gag no, for Larry. Gag. This is uh, real. This is what he does. He'll, he goes down and out. I'll take two of these. Three of those. <laughs> I forget which episode it was. A few episodes ago, you weren't on here. I think Dave was. Larry pulled a bunch of them out. He's like, I'm going to show him on the fucking show. And I said, no, don't fucking do it. And me and fucking Dave kind of talked them out of it, right? Fine. We sit down. We start the fucking show. He stuffed his pockets, the motherfucker. <laughs> he starts pulling out fucking butt plugs out of his pocket and talking about them. Well, you thought you fucking stopped. No, there's you can't fucking well, we stop were, Larry. We were in Arizona last month. What was that place we went to? The the cave, the outside thing there. Yeah, I don't For the concert, yeah. you know, see Steve Miller Band. Yeah. So we have a... Red Rocks. Red Rock, yeah. So we have uh, sort of a party beforehand in the parking lot, you know? So my, oh, yeah. My, 
my wife, my wife goes into his trunk to get a sandwich or a drink or something like that, and this black thing falls on the floor. So she picks it up. What is this thing, Larry? What is it? She's looking at it, right? She thought it, it was a microphone. <laughs> she thought it was a microphone because it had a ring on it, all right? Then it had this thing coming out like that, and then it had a little pouch. Well, what it was, it was a butt plug, a, a, a scrotal vibrator, all right, and a cock ring, all built in one. The <laughs> fuck? And she's carrying around. When she found what? out what it was, what did she do? Oh, my God. She wanted she to burn her hands? <laughs> I mean, he just carries them around with him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you some inside information on Larry. Don't look at his phone, and sure as fuck, don't go into his trunk. <laughs> and don't sit there at lunch if you don't want to look at videos. <laughs> that's true, because he'll show you the fucking videos. Every video for the night before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Larry has a good time, man. He he really lives it up. I can only imagine what kind of shit he's getting to on the screws, and we're all going to hear about it on Monday. Um, but anyways, Frank, thank you for being with us. I'm going to wrap this up. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. You, you are, uh, it's always a pleasure having you around. I know the listeners love you. You know, I love you. Um, so that's, that's all I got. Listen, guys, if you haven't bought cigars from us yet and you're interested in purchasing in a box, crookeddiamondcigar.com, you can, uh, buy a box for now. I know some of you want singles and I get it. We will have them, but right now it's only pre-orders. Pre-orders are only in boxes. Eventually we'll have, I don't know if it'll be pack of three or pack of five or something like that, but you could try them and you don't have to buy a whole box. And I do get people who don't want to do that. Um, but again, if you do that, you don't get the box and the box is pretty cool. What's up? Can I say one last thing? Sure. Go for it. Uh, to your listeners, please. Uh, very important week is coming up. Please don't forget to vote. Oh, don't forget to vote. It's true. Yeah, that, that that's right. So, um, do you want, are you going to vote or did you early vote? No, I, I like to go to the polls. You like to go to the polls and do it old school. That's what I'm going to do that too. All right. So uh, listen, I, I appreciate everybody for listening. We love you guys. I'm going to tell you what Larry says every time is make good choices. <laughs> See you everybody. Everybody.